0: assalamu alaikum welcome to yet another edition of the halal food podcast today we've got the pleasure of bringing in our brother muhammad who is here to clarify a few things about our previous podcast with a gentleman called asalat asalat works for an an organization called ice on animals he came in the last time we had discussions and he made some claims, so which I'm going to uh, throw to Br- Brother Muhammad to just address. And we also look at uh, Quran chapter 5, verse 3, in greater detail, so that our, our listeners and viewers will benefit, inshallah, from our discussions. So, without much ado, I invite Brother Muhammad to introduce himself before we start.
1: So, um, my name is Muhammad Mizanul Rahman. I, I usually go by the nickname uh, Abu Bara. Uh, I have studied Islam for over 20 years now, um, alongside a number of students of Sheikh Omar Bakri Muhammad in the UK and in Lebanon, as well as um, having a, a bachelor's degree in Islamic studies. Um, I have uh, looked um, quite in depth at this topic before. Um, I remember the scandals that came about before uh, when HMC as one of the uh, the, the bodies started to come out um, and reveal a lot more information about what's happening in the slaughter situation in the UK. So I'm familiar with the situation in the UK quite well as well
0: alhamdulillah you are the right person to to sort of uh have an interaction with to to discuss this thing so my first question one of the things that uh brother Aslat, uh the, the gentleman from ice on animals uh, he's also a turkish but based in germany one of the things he did he said was that if an animal dies before slaughter so you if you if you for, he gave an example where if you know the cause of death of an animal, eh, that if he's got a farm and it goes home, come back to the farm and sees that an animal is strangled, he knows the cause of the strangulation. He knows that the animal has died as a result of the strangulation. He can cut the neck and still consume it. According to him, that is acceptable as halal. Can you just throw some light on dead animals being halal? <laughs>
1: Yes, so um, in the verse, sort of met the verse three, uh, this matter is very clearly explained. So when Allah uh, forbade al-Maita, the Maita is described as dead animals, dead meat, um, and I-, I saw the podcast, uh, he-, he mentioned it as being carrion. Now, carrion you can define in many ways, but the way the Sharia works is the language is subjective not only to the people and the usage of the people that um, use it in, in the time of the Arabs or before the Qur'an was revealed, but also by the definitions laid down by the Qur'an. So when Allah reveals certain words, Allah redefines words. So this has been mentioned that this verse, in fact, came to address the understanding of the Arabs from Jahiliyyah about what is considered to be dead meat, maita. So in Tafsir al-Qurtubi on this verse, on sort of meta verse 3, uh, he mentions very explicitly, addressing this exact point. He says, um, ما So he said, in the time of Jahiliyyah, they used to eat the animals, and mentioned al mutaraddi the animal that's fallen and, and died from a long fall. Okay. And they never used to believe that this was maitah or dead meat uh, except if it was if it died but from hunger or something similar sababin without a cause or a reason that they knew about this is how the arabs in Jahiliyyah used to define mata uh, the, the dead meat because they also don't eat carrion nobody will eat rotting flesh yeah, so they did not eat mata but they didn't consider, consider animals which they knew the root cause of its death such as a fall or uh, strangulation or drowning, they didn't consider that to be mater. And then he continues he said uh, and they used to consider these causes of death to be a form of the cat, a form of purification, the way uh, brother Asad mentioned in his, his podcast that any form of completion of the death, he considered that to be a form of uh, completion or the cat or purification. But then he continues. Uh, Imam Al Qurtubi said, that the Sharia has specified specifically as the cats, uh, the purification or the slaughter, you know, the, uh, as being في صفة uh, upon a very specific description that Allah has specified uh, in the in the text. and everything besides that is considered to be ميتة according to the Sharia." كُلُّهُ مِنَ الْمُحْكَمُ الْمُتَّفَقُ عَلَيْهِ And this is from the clear explicit matter from this verse. الْمُتَّفَقُ عَلَيْهِ Which means it is agreed upon among all Muslims. Okay. Um, and in fact, there are, uh, uh, there's another statement from uh, Imam Tabari in Tafsir tabari on the same verse. He, he narrated the ijma on this matter as well. Um, narrated from Abu Umar. It was Abu Umar, قَدْ أَجْمَعُوا فِي In regard regarding the sick animal, He said, it has this consensus upon that. He said that there's a consensus that if the sick animal for whom there is no chance of uh, survival is going to be definitely going to die. Slaughtering it is the cat for it. It is uh, purification for it. As long as it still has life. إذا كانت فيها الحياة في حين ذا فيه حين ذبحها at the time of slaughter and he said وعلم ذلك منها بما ذكروا من من حركة يدها أو رجليها أو ذنبها أو نحو ذلك he said and is known whether it still has life in it from whether it is still moving he said if it's moving its its arm or its leg or its limbs or something similar to that. Said, mm-hmm. And he said, and it's, there's consensus also that if it does not continue, um, if, it to, if it does not move, it no longer moves it's any of its limbs, uh, its arm, his arms or its legs, then there is no way for you to purify it. There's no way to slaughter it for it to become halal. Um, and there's more than that as well. In fact, on this ayah, when Allah mentions the istithna, the exception, to say, except if you purify yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Imam al-Tabri narrates that there are two different opinions about what this means. The, one is the opinion which says, and there is no third opinion. The first opinion is that all of these items that have been mentioned, the, the animals that's been beaten to death or the one that falls from a long uh, height, or the one that's been gored by horns, etc. cetera, that all of these types of uh, animals, apart from the pork, yep. if they uh, are injured in this way, but you reach it and slaughter it while it's still alive, before its death, then it is halal. Uh, but otherwise, it is not halal. I'm going to mention some of those quotes as well that clarify that further. The second opinion, however, is that actually this exception does not refer to making these halal. So, Imam Malik, for example, believed that if an animal has uh, deadly wounds from goring or falling or uh, beating to the head, even if you slaughter it before death, is not halal. He oh, said that what maybe. is mentioned here, So this yeah. opinion, is that because istihtna, the, the word illa in Arabic, mm-hmm. can be to make an exception for part of the whole. It can also mean a distinction between two very different things. Okay. So like in Arabic, you can say a group of men illa, uh, except for the horse. And that does not mean the horse is man. It means that the horse is not part of the men. So there are many uh, statements in the Quran where Allah uses a language like this. Both of them linguistically are correct. So I'm manic to, to the position that what the verse is saying, that all of these types of animal and food are haram, yeah. from the dead meat, to the blood, to the pork, to that which is slaughtered for other than Allah, and the stunned meat or the um, the gourd meat, the ones with gored gourd by horns, or one who falls from a height, all of these are haram. The only thing is halal is that which you slaughter in the normal way. So this is the opinion of Malik. He separates it completely. Yeah. There is no opinion at all that the animal which dies through any means before you're able to slaughter, there, there's no opinion in the history of Islamic scholarship that yeah. permits that and consider, consider that to be halal. Um, and what we have to understand is that we cannot just look at the verse of the Qur'an in Arabic or any other language without understanding understand the context because these were revealed to people. The Prophet Muhammad and his companions, he addressed them. So if they understood it, their understanding is the one intended by Allah. Otherwise, we're accusing Allah of you know, m- misleading the Prophet and his companions themselves. So the way they understood it is what is vital. So if we look to Ibn Abbas, no. And even in fact, a number of uh, companions, Qatada, Ibn Abbas, um, as well as uh, Tabi'i, such as Shiabi, as well, they mentioned very specifically
0: yeah.
1: that um, it must be when they are alive. Um, in one uh, one hadith, in Taseer al Tabari, is mentioned the word, he said that if, okay, so let me give you the full quote, inshallah. So he said, he said that these things, these meats are ولا ولا يعد, haram. Uh, because from the time of Jahiliyyah, the Arabs, they used to eat these types of meat. Uh, this one specifically talking about the one which is gored by horns, for example, yeah. and they did not consider it to be. Uh, and they only used to consider what, what is dead meat from well, what died of hunger. This is from okay. a different part, not from the, the previous one. Okay. So Allah forbade this for them with this verse. Except for that which the name of Allah has been mentioned, and while you reach it, while it still has its soul. Okay. In uh, another. Muhammad. Brother Muhammad, before you concede,
0: uh, before you continue, just just stop there, please. I want to. One of the arguments he mentioned was that there is nowhere in the Quran or Hadith or any of the interpretation that says when an animal is strangled, when an animal died through goring horns or through a fall, you have to slaughter it before it dies. All he says is you have to slaughter. It doesn't say you have to slaughter it before it dies. So I want you to emphasize on that. So please con- continue. But yeah. I want you to emphasize that it says the animals should be alive at the point of slaughter.
1: Yes, it, a- absolutely it does. And in fact, there is um, a hadith from a number of the companions of the Prophet Wasallam answering this very question. So um, if I forgive you one example, Yeah. Um, this is in Tafsir al-Qurtubi uh, on, on the verse. Uh, is narrated there with the full isnad in there as well. Uh, okay. he he mentioned, okay. This is this is the statement from the ulama, the consensus among the, the ulama that uh, he said, <laughs> he said it only refers to the permitting the, the animal which is being slaughtered while it still has life. Hayat. Um another example, going back to the companions, I'm looking for a specific quote, um, where it's been mentioned in uh, Bukhari in Fet- and in Fath al-Bari from Ibn Hajar, an explanation of this, and also in Sahih muslim the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he spoke about the situation where uh, an animal has been killed from hunting. He uh, mentioned, the Prophet وسلم, said, if you are um, hunting a with your dog, with a hunting dog, and, and you find your dog, With another dog carrying the bird or the animal that you've hunted, then you cannot eat it. And this is because of the doubt cause that you're not sure whether it's your dog that killed it or the other dog that killed it. In another hadith, he mentioned if you shoot a bird and the bird falls into water, you cannot eat it because there's a doubt whether it was your arrow or whether it was the water, the drowning that killed it. So these things completely clarify where there's any doubt at all about whether your slaughtering or hunting is the cause of the death or any other cause besides that, that becomes prohibited. And there's a consensus among the scholars that the original rules for all means, slaughtered or unslaughtered, is that it is haram until it is certain or clear that it was slaughtered or hunted either by a Muslim or somebody from the people of the book. Similarly, there are in Kitab al-Mughni, is also been narrated a number of hadith where it mentions examples of uh, two arrows. So if you are hunting and there happens to be a mushrik that was also hunting yeah. and both of your arrows hit an animal and you find the animals to be dead, then you are not allowed to eat that meat because you don't know whether it was your arrow or the arrow of the mushrik that, that killed it, which would mean that you cannot be certain that it was halal. So all of these clarify that the only way that it can be halal is if the cause of death was the hand of a Muslim or, or somebody from the people of the book through either the proper slaughter or through hunting? Any other method is not allowed, or any uh, accidental death is not allowed. Also, there's a case where Ibn Abbas was, um, you know, consulted about uh, a- an animal that uh, that was hunted but then fell down, yeah. and he said, and he was found dead. He said, do not eat it. Um, and also, uh, there, there's. A clarification where it was the question was asked to uh, scholars from the Tabi'in, And I'm just trying to find that specific quote okay. where they asked him, How will we know if we can uh, eat it, if it can be if if it can be purified? Uh, and he said that you will know it because its eye is still moving or its limbs are still moving. That is how you know that you can still till you can still slaughter. And if it stops that, that means it's dead and you can no longer slaughter, it can no longer be halal. So from all of these different quotes and all of these different references, the scholars from every single school of thought were in agreement that any animal that is dead at the point of slaughtering, that slaughtering does not count and it will never be considered to be halal. Uh, Even if um, it was not rotting or or anything like that, even if it was fresh, the moment it stops um, having signs of life, it can no longer be slaughtered.
0: Thank you very much, brother Muhammad. Uh, this is an, a very important topic that is affecting a lot of Muslims, either in Europe in or in most of the industrialized world. Because if you look at the developing uh, countries like, like Africa, countries in Africa or even in Pakistan, uh, most animals are slaughtered without stunning or without any, any secondary intervention that could lead to the death of the animal. And I'm happy you have just explained all these things regarding mitre now what the brother was saying and you've just mentioned it he said that the f- emphasis is on food safety as long as the animal is not rotten as long as the animal is is slaughtered even after death the animal should be should be okay i understand food safety is very important in 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 in, in islam because of uh halal and tayyib because tayyib is all about food safety so thank you very much for clarifying that uh The other thing I wanted to say is in most uh, abattoirs in in Europe and in, 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 uh, in America, animals are slaughtered after what we call gas stunning or modified atmosphere stunning. Where animals are exposed to a gas, the gas essentially kills them. But when they exit from the gas chamber, they are then the necks are then cut. When you cut the neck, you can see the animal bleeding. You may, you may not see any movement in the animal because the animal is dead. What would be your opinion on that? If the cause of death, you have caused it because you have exposed the animal to, to a yeah. gas. It's not about the animal falling or the animal being gored uh, by horns. But you have caused the death by exposing it to gas before bleeding it. In that instance can we say is halal or that is still not halal
1: okay so from two perspectives yeah. um, i want to discuss this first of all yeah. the verse in sonoma verse three um also mentions the animal that died from succ- suffocation or strangling mm-hmm. uh, similarly with uh, drowning is under the same verse yeah. so uh, gas um, you know, suffocation would can be considered to be the same type of uh, death okay. so it would be considered to be made a, a dead animal and prohibited and the slaughter after death would not be uh, valid in order to make it halal, so uh, this would be prohibited so that is the first thing the second thing is, and you touched on it uh, there as well the methods that people are using, and they're using this verse to say that if we can just slaughter the animal before it dies after stunning or suffocation or anything else, that is not the intent of the verse. The verse was talking about a situation where an animal died or was uh, suffered a deadly wound through some means. Uh, and you killed it, you slaughtered it before it passed away. It was not intended as a permission for you to to beat an animal or to suffocate an animal or strangle it. That is considered to be a form of torture, and torturing the animals is prohibited in Islam, and that is known by necessity, and is it cannot be part of our industry that we are make a business out of torturing thousands of chickens and animals uh, an hour just to um, you know to speed up the process of, of slaughter that cannot be permitted so that would be considered a sin even if you were able to slaughter it before if it is final final breath if you like so uh, from my perspective i do not believe that we as a muslim community should be cooperating with and doing business with slaughterhouses that engage in this clearly prohibited practice even if they're able to slaughter it before it passes away so is not just the perspective of okay, is it, the suffocation understanding is something that makes the meat haram. The very practice of deliberately making these animals suffer this type of trauma is itself a, a sin and haram act, even if the meat. He has question over it whether whether people you know might debate about if it's, if it's halal or haram or not we should not be engaging in that in the first place
0: okay thank you very much brother muhammad another thing you've just mentioned is the fact that islam holds animal welfare in high regard because if you are warned, if 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 allah is warning us or if there are practices in hadith that is warning us that look we should respect the welfare of animals And we intentionally expose them to any abuse then on the day of judgment we will be uh, accountable for that now the 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 other question i've got is uh uh, we talked about gas standing there is a gas called carbon dioxide and we know that from research that carbon when when animals are exposed to carbon dioxide it is aversive it is not good for their welfare many researchers have have reported this what advice have you got to uh, to halal certification bodies, to Muslim abattoirs or to butchers, because it is our butchers, the Muslim butchers, who go in and buy these products. What advice have you got for them in trying to buy products from animals, uh, from, from processes that expose animals to welfare compromises?
1: So my advice to them is that your relationship with animals is part of your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has put responsibility on the, the, the uh, hands of Muslims uh, or of people in general on this earth to uh, look after the animals and the environment around us. And that includes to treat them well. So the Prophet Sallallahu alaihi Wasallam narrated about um, a cat that was tortured by its owner. And by the torture mentioned in this hadith is just that it was uh, held imprisoned and was not allowed to uh, go out to hunt, nor was it fed. And Allah um, promised to uh, punish the owner of that with hellfire as a result. Any form of cruelty to an animal is something we are accountable for. It's not just a question of business or trade or profit or or, or the bottom line. This is a a matter of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and accountability. We will have to answer for every single animal that suffers at our hands on the day of judgment. And we will have to deal and face Allah Subhanahu to answer it. So that is a responsibility not just for the abattoirs, but those who do business with those abattoirs, yeah. and for us as consumers as well. We need to be careful what we uh, what we consume and who we uh, who we spend our money with, because we are also ultimately supporting that um, the torture of those animals in that process. So it's not something which is a secular matter. This is a matter which is part and uh, at the heart of our ondeen and our relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala
0: once again thank you very much brother uh muhammad i've got one last question for you uh you know in Surah al-maida uh allah uses the word or the word uh maita is used now brother asalat was saying when maita is used it actually means decaying animal it doesn't mean dead animal from what you've explained you are saying it means dead animals and he's saying it means decaying or Rotten or animals that, that are in a state of being uh, uh rotten have you got any evidence to say look maita actually means death it, it's got nothing to well it could means decaying because a dead animal that has decayed but does it specifically mean the animal has decayed
1: well i mean from the root of the arabic yeah. is literally from the word uh malt. So any animal which is dead is considered to be uh, meta or magit, and this is from the the, the grammatical root of the yeah. verb. It, it's, it's the it's the same in meaning. Now, what additional meaning is it, it uh, carries, and specific meanings that it uh, that defines it, can depend on a number of things. Okay. Language is just one of those. Yeah. So when the Sharia. Um, redefines a word in the Arabic language. Many words in the Quran have been redefined by Islam and the Sharia. So for example, simple words like Salah. Salah means supplication, Dua. But in the Quran, in the Sharia, it means specifically something we do five times a day with Ruku and Sujood. It cannot be done in any other way. Zakat. You know, it means investment in in Arabic, but in the Sharia, it means a particular, specific amount of obligatory um, spending on charity to specific categories of people. Oh, you know, two point five percent of wealth. You know, all of that you cannot get from language; it comes from the Sharia. True. So when Allah has revealed many different verses, very specifically defining what is considered to be halal slaughter, and He declared everything else to be haram meat, either maita or slaughtered for other than Allah. And so these are the definitions that we have to use. And that is then a definition understood by the companions of the Prophet wasallam, And Allah has made their understanding what is a, a, a binding argument, irrefutable argument for us uh, to follow. More than that, if you look to another verse in Surah An'am, verse 121, This verse, Allah describes what happened when Allah revealed these verses, which specifically spoke about animals which were not slaughtered by by Muslims or people of the book. uh, In other words, died in any other way. Some of the mushrikeen tried to debate with the Muslims about this, and they said to them that ultimately Allah gives life, takes life. So how is it that you eat what you slaughter with your own hand, but you do not eat that which is slaughtered by Allah. In other words, killed in any other way or killed naturally. And so this argument was presented to the Muslims and Allah revealed in the Quran that those arguments were were inspired by the shaitan. And he said, if you obey them in this belief, accepting that this is halal, the dead, the you know, the non-slaughtered meat, the one that was not slaughtered by the hands of of, of the Muslims or the people of the book, yes. then you become from the Mushrikeen yourself. You, you by obeying them instead of obeying Allah, by accepting their rulings and laws instead of Allah, you become uh, like them. And that was specifically on the matter of saying the Muslims say what we slaughter by a hand is is edible, and everything else is meta, and they are saying no. Why can't you eat the other animals that have fallen from a headlong fawn or being gored by horns, etc. because the Mushrikeen still used to eat those foods. And they didn't consider that to, consider that to be carrion or, or meta, because they also didn't eat meta. And, and that was the debate that was taking place, and Allah clarified it for us in these verses.
0: Thank you very much, Brother Muhammad. Uh, maybe in the future, inshallah, if I need clarification from any matter again, I will invite you. But I would like to... Yeah, on behalf of my listeners and, and viewers, I would like to say a big thank you for sparing some time to come in uh come to come on the podcast.
1: Well,
0: okay, assalamu alaikum.